Hey, open your Bibles up, if you would, to uh, Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. We're working our way through a little series on, on Philippians and uh, calling this Peace and Relationships. And uh, I want to give a, a big shout out right now to Yancey Smith. I just, I, I love this brother and I'm so thankful for you. And uh, it's a joy to partner with Yancey in so many ways in ministry. But uh, if you didn't get to listen to last week's message, if for some reason you weren't here, Kim and I were out of town for her birthday, and uh, Yancey preached, and we listened to the message together in, in the little hotel room on Monday morning, which is just so cool, the little technology thing, being able to do that, and it was just awesome, just super encouraged and made me thankful for our team of leaders, and just from the elders, to the staff, to life group leaders, we've got so many wonderful people at Christ Fellowship that are just a joy to be comrades with and a joy to be on the journey with. So um, thank you, Yancey. And you guys really uh, listen to it. Kim listened to it. You should listen to it twice already. So um, open your Bibles to Philippians 3. I'll read through some of this in just a minute, but we're basically continuing in the series on peace in our relationships, finding peace in our relationships. And if you'll remember, one of the dynamics that's going on in Philippians that we're really hitting on is that there was an argument going on between two women named Euodia and Syntyche. Euodia and Syntyche were having an argument. And so, in fact, it was so important that basically it's one of the main reasons that Paul wrote this letter, was to try to help these two leading ladies in the church come to a place of harmony and peace in their relationships. And once you see that, then it starts making sense a lot of what Paul's been saying through the letter. You know, and how he's pointing to, you know, uh, you know, you've got to have vision. There's a vision challenge. If you don't have vision, you've got to have vision for being able to see peace in your relationships. You need to have a, a perspective about circumstances because circumstances, hard things are going to come. And if you don't have a good perspective about that, it'll be hard to have peace in relationships. Last week, Yancey talked about the humility challenge, the challenge of humility, and pointed to the, and it's really climactic in a way, and, and really in a lot of ways in the New Testament. This, that portrayal, that excellent description of what Jesus Christ is really like, that He empties Himself and humbles Himself even to the point of death, that, that is a, that, that's like a reality that we, as brothers and sisters, are called to walk in. So, this week, it's kind of part two from Yancey's message uh, last week. It's just a continuation where uh, last week Paul talked about Jesus, and then he kind of gave even Timothy and Epaphroditus as further examples of what this humility and relationship should look like. Today, he's going to kind of point to himself and say, you know, I've got a lot of stuff going on, but I'm emptying myself of those things in order to show what right relationships should look like. Does that make sense? So today, what I'm calling this message is the entitlement challenge. Okay? So it's pretty hard to stay in peace in our relationships when we're walking around feeling entitled about different aspects of our lives. And can I just say that 100% of us struggle with this? So it's, don't, it's not you're looking somewhere else that the other people that struggle with entitlement. Everybody struggles with this at some level from time to time. It can happen. And by talking about it, we want to get it out on the table so that we can catch ourselves when we're doing that kind of stuff, right? Not heavy. It's not a heavy thing. 
Maybe it is. I don't know. What are we talking about when we say entitlements? You need some examples. It's when we say, well, you know, I've got a certain background, and because of my background, it entitles me to have certain rights over you that, that I have, because it's about me. So it could be my background. It could be my upbringing or the city that I was raised in. I mean, you know, Fort Worth, we love living in Fort Worth, you know, but you could make it kind of an entitlement, possibly or school, or education, or having money, or not having money. You know, any of those things connect, right? I remember being a little kid about our country, you know, and I love America. But I remember thinking, and this is just, I don't know if anybody else was raised this way, I, I, I grew up thinking that our country was the very best country of all. And that everybody, as far as I knew as a little kid, was trying to get to our country. I really thought that. I thought it was the best country and everybody was trying to get here. Until I grew up and started going to other countries. And I realized that not everybody else in the world is trying to get here. It's called ethnocentrism. It's when you see your whole world revolving around you. That's an entitlement. That's what I'm talking about. So that kind of thing. Or it could be you know, uh, practically kind of keeping up with the Joneses. I need that car they've got or that house they've got. Or it could be about my children. You know, my children, my son or daughter is entitled to start on this little team, whatever. Anybody ever felt that way? We had a college athlete. It was, it was difficult. There was an entitlement I felt that she should be playing more minutes in the basketball game. <coughs> so, uh, is this relating to anybody? <laughs> I just feel like I'm pouring my heart out here. You're like, wow, man, I can't believe you struggle with that stuff. Um, okay, let's see. Let's keep being practical. That helps. Um, uh, you know, one thing that's it's hard, a hard dose of reality is that we think something, certain things... Uh, might need to happen, but really, in reality, they really don't. Like, maybe our kid really doesn't need to be starting. You know, like, that wouldn't be the best thing for the team or something. But it's hard for us to see that, because, you know, we see, we see things, you know, a certain way. Here's one. Uh, an entitlement would be being hard to please. Just, doggone it, just hard to please. Just, you know, just it's never really good enough. And we, we feel like we're entitled to things, for things to always be better or centered around me. And it's not fun to be around the person that's hard to please. Somebody say amen. <laughs> say it together so that it's not just one person talking about their husband or wife. You know, I, Kim, and I were, uh, Kim and I were waiters in uh, waiter, sta- wait personnel, wait staff, <laughs> chilies. And uh, in, in college, and uh, that's kind of how we got through school. And, and uh, man, you know, some people were entitled that came to, they felt like they were entitled. They're coming, and, and just like, this was before Starbucks existed. They needed to go to, like, Starbucks and order some kind of drink that just filled up the whole cup, turn it around, filled up the <laughs> half-calf, decaf with a soy latte, half a shot, triple shot, three squeeze. Um, like, oh, like, you can't not want that much, like, I'm, 
doing a job here. And so, uh, but it looks like, you know, it can be words sometimes, it can be actions, it can even be looks. Do you know that you can possess a look of entitlement? And it's not pretty. It's not pretty when we get into that mode. So that's kind of what I'm trying to say. The list, you guys, is long, and it's a part of the fall. It's a part of fallen human nature to judge other people and to rank ourselves based on whatever it is from our past and to put our and here's the that's the positive in our own mind that we would be here the negative is that we can end up here we don't have enough entitlements you know we're always it's this not enough kind of thing that's going on and so uh, this message is really just a continuation then of what's what we've been looking at uh, in chapter two with about humility the main thing is this. God is calling us to a kind of peace in relationships that comes when we relinquish our entitlements and press into the resurrection life of Jesus. When we press into the resurrection. So he's still talking about Jesus, still talking about humility. And one of Yancey's main points that I really liked yesterday is when he said, humility is the kind of vulnerability that comes from dependence on God to meet our needs in our close relationships. And that's as opposed to getting our needs met in other people, doing what we want them to do for us and about us and, and listen to us and do what we want to do, all of that kind of thing. Does that make sense? So it's, it, and so it's something that Jesus gives us. He brings us into this life. It's a Jesus thing. And yet we don't just stay right there. Paul's going to tell us we keep pressing forward into the fullness of all that He has for us. My mind isn't done being transformed by Jesus. My emotions, my desires, I am still... Can I get a witness? I am am still a work in progress. And I need Jesus so bad. It's a completely new and different orientation for us. And so that's what we're looking at here. Let's look at this. First thing, different orientation. A different kind of confidence. Number one, a different kind of confidence. Let's read this together, first few verses. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. So he's, he, he's saying the same thing over that he's just been saying. It's, no, it's not a problem for me to write this over again, to say the same thing, because it is a safeguard for you. It's a safeguard that I say this. Watch out for those dogs those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit of God and who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Okay, so basically what he's saying here is there are people out there and when they live in this entitlement kind of mentality and mindset, what they do is they rip up and tear up and mutilate, not themselves, but the body of Christ. The body of Christ is torn up and hurt and divided when we live with an entitlement kind of mentality. He goes on and says, and so the key there is to to worship by the Spirit of Christ, to glory in Christ Jesus. You know, we want to, at Christ Fellowship, I mean, we want to be saying that week after week after week because there is no other hope. There is no other name than Jesus. If anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, with regard to law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Who's got that one? You know, so this whole thing here that Paul's setting up in this first little piece on confidence is it's the confidence of Jesus versus the confidence of the flesh. And when we say the flesh, we're not just talking about living in the body. It's not like we're not Greeks that think this body is bad and we have to just be spiritual only. Flesh isn't just the fact that I have flesh. Flesh is, like in the Bible, it's like the sinful part of us. It's the disconnected from God part of us. It's the independent part of us that lives life as if life could be lived without God. You know, that's, that's what the flesh is. That's what he's talking about there. And so, not putting confidence in this life that's lived apart from God because of whatever, you know, my, my, uh, my background. You know, all these different things uh, that we can, we can do this with. I, I wrote a few more things down. What's it look like? Entitlements and rights. In the church world, it could be like, I go to this church and I don't go to that church. You know, I'm right because, you know, it's like... Um, it's like my entitlement is because I'm right, or I'm actually more right than the other people. Anybody ever felt that way? You know? So I'm, I'm more right. I go to this church. I was raised in this group. I'm a part of this movement. I mean, that could be a, a, a temptation for us. I mean, we're a part of a movement that is literally touching the world right now. As churches are being, hundreds of churches are being planted all over. But that's not our entitlement. That's not our thing that we're looking down on other people about at all. We're all in here because of Jesus. Right? So in education, it could be like I went to a certain school. I went to a certain college. I got a certain degree. In politics, any entitlements there? It's so funny. I feel like week after week, I, there's these, I touch on these things that get everybody quiet. Um, Politics, man, you know, I'm, I'm a Democrat, or I'm a Republican, or I'm an Independent, or I'm a, you know, whatever. I, I watch Fox News, or I don't, or I watch CNN, or I don't, or, you know, and I can't even believe you've mentioned that because that's sinful to even say it, you know, just whatever the, you know, uh, nationality, you know, and I mean, that's a, boy, that's a, that's a tender, sensitive one. For us, I mean, just to throw that out there, but it's so, but we, we have to say it because it's so easy for us to, to do syncretism as Christians in America sometimes, you know, where, you know, we see, you know, the, the cross of Jesus, the crosses of Calvary, but in our mind's eye, the flag's kind of blowing in the background, you know, and it's just kind of, it's kind of connected, you know, and people have these expectations like, 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 well, we're Americans and we should, it's, it's a quasi kind of thing. And just, we can't, the, the, the kingdom of America will never be the kingdom of God. I'm saying that gently. It just, you can't, it's, it, it can't be that. Now, we can redeem things and keep working for things, but, that, but something that's ruled by the power of the prince of the air can't be ruled by Jesus. The system, that is. The system's always going to be broken. Okay? So, but we can be out loud people that live our lives full of grace, glory, and life, and beauty, and 
and affect as many things as we possibly, possibly can, our hope's just not in the government. So, there's people who've been around for years are going, oh, I hadn't heard one of these in a while. And there's other people like, what in the world? Man, he's a counter-revolutionary or something. Kind of, I guess. Now that I think about it, Jesus. Um, so, moving on from that. It's, it's getting kind of quiet. Um, we, or we could say we have the best, you know, whatever, technology, the best athletes. I watched the World Cup, you know, and I heard a bunch of people going, what if we had Davian Clowney out there running around knocking people, you know, runs a 4-2, 4-1-40. Best athletes. That did not work for anybody. Skip that, skip that piece. Best athletes, best schools, best government, whatever. Just becoming uh, aware of our tendencies, though, you guys, is a huge piece in moving forward. You know, I showed a clip a while back from Brian Regan. He's one of my uh, favorite comedians. And, uh, but it was a poignant piece because he talked about the me monster. You know, and the me monster is this entitled person that lives inside of us that's just full of his own accomplishments, right? And somebody else is talking and you literally can't... You ever done this where somebody else is talking and you just... You just would you just finish? Would you just finish? Because me, I, 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 I want to say some stuff about me right now. And you're talking and, and there's stuff I want to say because I did stuff too. It's always being right. Always being right. Ever struggle with that one? I'm, I'm mostly right. Maybe more than mostly, 92, 3%. Mostly right. Unable to get outside of self to really hear other people. These are, this is a big deal. This is what Paul's talking about in relationships. This kind of uh, confidence in the wrong part of life. You know, in the flesh rather than in Jesus. And so it's Jesus... Or it's the flesh. And it's not a balance thing. We're not going for balance here. Like, you know, a little bit of the flesh. It's, the goal is life in Christ. That's, that's what we want to do. We want to live our lives more and more where Jesus is our everything. Where Jesus is our life. Where surrender to Him is just um, the way we live. And so, what does matter, it's Him. The fact that He came. He came into this world. He lived His life. He did His ministry. He died on that cross. He was raised on the third day by the power of God. He was ascended to the right hand and is ascended to the right hand of the Father. And everything has so radically changed because of Jesus. And that's what we want to see. We have a different kind of confidence as His people. The second piece, this new orientation, is a different kind of focus So he doesn't leave it there. Whatever was to my prophet, verse 7, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from law, but from that which is through faith in, in, in Jesus Christ. Through the, and, and I want to just keep saying this because we need to hear this. It's not even just that his confidence is in Jesus. It's not in his faith in Jesus. That makes sense. So we can, we can kind of make faith almost like a work. We're like, 
you know, and, and I've in, it's like I've risen up to a certain level of faith. But our faith, our, our hope is in what Jesus has done, the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. My faith is not in my faith in Jesus. My faith is in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to have done this thing fully, completely, wholly, totally got it done. I've got this. He's saying it to us. I've got this. And so, uh, this righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Now check this out. He doesn't stay there. Not that I've already obtained all this or been made perfect. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to win the, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, right? So there, here the tension is between what Jesus has done for us and how I'm responding. Okay, He has done it. But he's very clear all through the Scriptures that we don't just kind of sit back, I'm going to heaven and that's kind of the end of my story. There's things to do. There's, there's a life to be lived. There's a mind to be transformed. A soul to be gotten a hold of and apprehended. My soul really is a battleground. Okay? Between the Spirit of the living God in me and my sinful inclinations. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, whoa, there's like this innermost part of Jesus, you know, just is a love people, lay your life down for people, go the way of the cross, smile more, be enthusiastic about other people's stuff, listen. And then there's this other part of me that's like, no, it needs to be about me. They need to stop talking and listen to me. Whatever that thing might be in us, it's a battle. There's a battle that's going on there. He's the focus but He's also the goal. I haven't arrived. I'm not finished yet. And I'm going to respond by pressing in to Jesus. He's won the day, but He's still winning me over in my daily decisions. Through all the pressures and um, the emotional struggles that I go through, people's expectations of me and all these different things, we're not just sitting back. There's stuff to do right now. I think that it's going to affect going to affect us in our relationships. It's going to affect me as a husband with my wife. It's going to affect the way I think about my life with my kids. And the cool thing is on this thing about pressing into Jesus, it tells me that there's a choice for me to make. There's a choice that we all need to make. You know, and here's what happens. When we're living in the peace in the life of Jesus, there's a whole lot more space for making good decisions than there is when we're in fight-or-flight mode because of struggles or uh, tension in relationships, right? Make sense? There's a part of our brain called the amygdala. Anybody ever heard of this? It's kind of the fight-or-flight you know, part of the brain. And when you start feeling you're in a conversation, it's not going well, and you feel your face flushing, um, you know, kind of tension rising, you know, as that tension keeps rising, you are literally physiologically losing the ability to make good decisions. The amygdala is great for like, hey, there's a rock falling, get out of the way. Sorry. But it's not, good for, it's not good for when I need to be at peace and talk things through in a good way. It's not rise up 
You know, like you literally, your, your body literally, when that thing's happening, it literally, you change, you, you lean forward, you do your shoulders back, all that kind of stuff happening. And we need to be able to go and get some air, get some air inside of our bodies and say, Lord Jesus, lead me in this process. Right? And you can't always do that with somebody right in front of you, but we can press, it's a, it's a, it's a way of pressing into the Lord and specifically because what we're talking about here in this series is about relationships. And so we want to be able to press into Jesus in the way that we relate in our key, in our key relationships. Does that make sense? It's a different kind of focus. I'm looking at Jesus, and He is helping me to deal with people in the right way and not cut off my ability to make good decisions and that kind of thing. So the last little piece I want to hit on, then, is a different kind of confidence, different kind of focus. It's Jesus. Both those are Jesus. <laughs> and a different kind of life. And again, it's, it's Jesus. Verse 17. Um, Join with others in following my example. And brothers, take, take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before and now again say with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction and their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Okay, so this different kind of life is a different orientation. It's a different way of seeing things. That um, I'm not just living for the things that I can acquire, eat, feed on myself. I've got a whole new kind of existence now in Jesus. Um, And one of the ways he talks about that here is citizenship. And, you know, it's a big deal to be a citizen in our country. We have rights. There's privileges that come with that. Interestingly, one of the things that had happened with the Philippians is a lot of them had lost their citizenship. It was a Greek city originally, but then after this famous battle between Julius Caesar and Mark Antony, all the soldiers from those battles got re-stationed, basically, in Philippi and were given citizenship and land which meant that somebody lost citizenship and land in their coming. So a lot of the Philippians, a lot of the former Greeks had been disenfranchised. So for him to say to them, our citizenship isn't here anyway. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. We are looking forward to the fact that these lowly bodies are going to be raised up to be like His glorious body. And again, I've, I've hit this recently, but I want to just say it again. You know, we're not just, our, our final end isn't that we go to heaven one day and float around without a body. Okay? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay? That's what happens when we die. But the Bible says plainly and clearly we are going to be raised from the dead. Bodily resurrection. And if we don't have this hope in us, that, then we've missed something. So it's important that we think through this like, wow, I'm going to be raised to have a glorious, resurrected body like Jesus Christ on a renewed earth, new heavens and new earth. And it's like, that just, 
it changes the game. It changes the way we should think about how we live on the earth right now. That it matters how we live. What kind of stewards we are right now. Because we're literally preparing the way for God's kingdom coming. We're living lives that express the way things should be. The famous you know, signpost illustration is that my life is supposed to be something that points to the way things should be. Beautiful. Thoughtful. Loving. Servant-minded. Like Jesus. Caring. Expressing beauty and creativity. It's like God wants heaven to literally break out on the earth through me and through you and through us. It's, it's supposed to be awesome. And it's, this is His plan. You know, if there's not another plan. And through this people, through this people, this, this people expressing His eternal purpose to magnify His name and to express the way things should be on the earth, He's going to touch schools, education, health care, governments, every single conceivable realm of functioning on earth in order to make things right. And just things just. You know, wrong things right. Ugly things beautiful. That kind of deal. So the, what's the result of all of this in our relationships? Think about, if I took that same train of thought that I was just on right there and started applying it to relationships, what happens? It starts looking right. I'm not going to be at peace not being at peace in my relationships. I, it, it's going to bug me. You know, I, it's a different. It's going to be a relationship marked by peace. When people walk in the humility of Jesus, it's a different kind of vision. It's a different kind of value, and we see people differently. And uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, part of the grace that I've received, and part of the grace that you've received, which can I just say, is your it's your life. It's it's what God's done for you in Christ, and nobody's. Without this, not everybody knows it, but he died for you, and he died for every other person who's living and breathing on planet Earth. Okay, nobody's left out of what God's done, but not everybody sees it. You know, and so this grace that we receive when our eyes are opened, we're supposed to be givers of that grace to other people, not holding our entitlements and our our judgments and things over them as if we are the judge. That's, uh, you know, it's just an element of the fall. You know, that we would do that. That we would receive His grace but then not give it to other people. And so the result of that, hopefully, is that we're on a trajectory of life and peace. You know, I love what Yancey said last week. He's, you know, just we, when we realize that we're dust and that what the best thing that we could ever happen is for Jesus to write His name in the dust of this life. You know, just Jesus. 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 And that's what people see in the dust of my life is Jesus Christ. And, and why not? We have a common life, a common hope, a common Savior, a common Lord, a common grace that He's given to us. It's good news. It's good news. And it's not, it's not about our pedigree or our socioeconomic background or our education or our nationality, or all this different kind of stuff that we could, you know, we, we are who we are because of Jesus, and we are pursuing Him together. And we do have to give up some things. We have to give up our judgments. 
of other people. You know, that's if I'm going to call you to something and bang my hand on the pulpit, it's right there. Give up those judgments. You can't judge other people and love them at the same time. Cannot happen. Try it. It doesn't work. You can't be on the throne and let Jesus' throne kind of love be flowing through you at the same time. It's, there's going to be opportunities to forgive, to love, and to submit. That's from my week this past week. How about you guys? Yeah, it's, just, it's just going on all the time. And may the Lord wake us up to what's really happening. You know, we think, I think sometimes we think that pressing into Jesus is some great thing. I'm going to change the world. That kind of deal. And you know what I think? Especially about relationships. I think this pressing into Jesus is if we'll keep turning toward one another in love, working for peace and harmony and life and love in these relationships, that's what's going to turn, that's, it's going to change the world. You know? But it's turning toward one another in love. Turning to, toward one another. And that's the big thing that's going to you know, change, change the world. I think sometimes we, we think if, if, uh, if, if we could think in the moment and go, would I want to be treated the way I'm treating this person as I'm inflicting my entitlements on them? Would I want to be judged like this? Would I want to... Uh, would I want to... Uh, would I want to be looked at the way they're looking at me? You know? Would I want to be talked to the same tone that, you know, that I'm talking to someone else in? And so we take a deep breath and we ask, Lord, let me see them through Your eyes. Let me see them with Your humility. You know, that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, don't put confidence in this stuff over here. Jesus has done it all. The thing that matters is worshiping in the Spirit of Christ. Glorying in Christ Jesus. Exalting in Him. Having our eyes focused on Him. All this other stuff, if we're putting our our hope in that, really, it's nothing but... um, What's the word? You know, rubbish, dung, dog poop. It's, it's not. Yeah, it's just. It's not. It's not something you want to put your hope in. So I want to finish today with the good news that uh, that my brother finished with last week. And uh, if you'll put that up, this is the gospel, and it's the gospel that emerges out of this good news that we see in Philippians two and three and four in this letter. And it is that God is a Father who loves you and has a wonderful purpose for your life. He loves us. And He has a wonderful purpose for our lives. And our own sin and corruption keeps us from seeing God as He really is. Or grasping the plan that He has for our lives. And it keeps us from seeing ourselves as we are and others as they are, as they really are. But check it out. All the sin and corruption in the world has not stopped God from loving you. It's good good news. All the things that I've done haven't stopped God from loving me. And all the things I'm ever going to or we're ever going to do will not stop God from loving you. He 
loves us. The incarnation proves it. The sacrificial life and ministry of Jesus demonstrates it. The cross nails it. The resurrection from the dead ensures it. The Holy Spirit sent from heaven makes it real in our lives. God breaks in through our, all our confusion and sin and sends Jesus right into the midst of this. His Son into the world. He lived, died, and overcame death and set us free to restore us to an amazing relationship with God. And God will continue to renew our hearts and minds and entire lives by the Spirit of Christ as we live a part of the family of God, the church, through the people who follow Jesus, He is renewing the through the people who follow Jesus, He is renewing the world, the entire world. And that is the good news. It's the good news that we want to be believing and expressing and living in and breathing in and just living our lives in every single day. May this good news be believed and may it touch every part of our lives. May Jesus get the glory. And may that be what brings us together because the other stuff cuts the body up. And we don't want to do that. Jesus, bring us together. Bring us together in life. And help us to see this and let there be peace in our relationships. If you would, stand up. Worship team, come up.